right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here. I will introduce my co-host and guest here shortly. But first, what I'm going to read, I feel like I feel like this was sent over from the folks at Callaway and really targeting me. As I read the very first line, I'm realizing that I, I would be the target audience for this, and I'm wondering why I haven't tried this yet, because many better players struggle to find a club that bridges the gap between 3-wood and a 4-iron. I've currently tried 5-wood. I'm on a 21-degree iron now. I'm still trying to figure out the right match. It's probably going to vary on the golf course, but... Callaway's new Apex Utility Wood is designed to do just that. It's the Apex UW offers a higher launch and a steeper land angle than a hybrid. It spins more than a hybrid, but less than a five wood. Has a very neutral center of gravity, so it's workable. Phil's actually had it in the bag since late June. He loves it because of the versatility at the 250-yard range, uh, which is helpful because his wedges and irons have really, you know, relatively tight yardage gaps. And uh, because he can control the trajectory and the distance for those longer shots so well with the Apex UW, it frees up some space in his bag for the extra wedge that he loves so much. So the Apex UW is designed for tour and is available for everyone. It comes in 17, 19, and 21 degree lofts. So take a look at the Apex UW at CallawayGolf.com today. Let's get to the pod. Sunday night here, not in the kill house. Solly here calling in from the mountain time zone. Big Randy. Hello, Big. Hey, good evening. Really happy to be here. Uh, hope you're doing well, Solly. And then America's favorite podcast guest. He has as many tour wins now as he does podcast appearances probably today. Uh, that is Max Homa. Max, are you mad at us for not covering your win at Napa on the podcast? Not even a little. I didn't expect anybody to cover it. Uh, there were there were people clamoring, wondering if it was a real golf tournament. So you guys are top of the top. I wouldn't expect you guys to go too in-depth on the uh, tournament. People were calling the Fortnite Championship, which was Fortinet Championship. Uh, so, no, I was not at all bothered. I listen to your guys' podcast every week. I did not need a recap of my own <laughs> tournament. There were people calling for an emergency pod. I was like, you don't you don't understand how ridiculous it was that we got you to call in after the win at Riviera. It's, that was a once in a... <laughs> What's in a lifetime thing, but uh, what what's what's life like as a as a three time winner now? Does it what does this win do for you? Oh man, it's just so wild. The third one, you know, uh, they say three, the, you know, third time's the charm, and you know, now I'm just living the high life, uh, taking helicopters instead of rental cars, uh, just living in like three story suites at hotel rooms. Uh, it's just a wild, it's a wild life now. That's cool, man. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Big, we didn't get to see. I didn't get to hear what time zone are you in. I hear Solly's in mountain. No, Randy's in the mountain time zone. That's oh, Randy's in the. That's mountain how time I introduce zone. Randy because I don't want to yeah. give away his location. Oh, I see. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, sorry. We'll, we'll do time sorry, zone Big. stuff after. Yeah, we can do that offline. Uh, <laughs> no, honestly, I was I, I I like have forgotten, and I mean this in the best possible way, Max. But it's like I've kind of forgot already that you won a PGA tour event a couple weeks ago. And I think that's just speaks to how well you've played and kind of the ascension that you're on. It's like, it's, I don't want to say becoming routine, but man, it's, it's really cool. So 
Um, I, I mean that I in the best possible the way where, you know, like w- winning is kind of getting boring for you, which is it, it, when yeah. you know you've arrived. It wasn't <laughs> as excruciating to watch as a fan of yours because it was it was like it, it uh, there was more trust there, I guess, if you will. Of like, oh, yeah, he's <laughs> it wasn't like a panic inside. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah, that's kind of how it felt, too. I wasn't like I mean, L.A. is kind of a tough one because it was, you know, my ultimate favorite golf tournament. But um, so it was obviously never going to live up to that. But and playing Finau down the stretch. I mean, ultimate killer there. <laughs> yeah. Randy, you, you kind of have to walk it back a little. He was good at the Ryder Cup 81, a playoff event. So I feel like I feel like you kind of got to walk it back. We had a we, me and you had a deep debate. I was very pro Finau at the Kill House uh, during the Players Championship. And you were very not, uh, obviously. No, I, I have, and we don't need to relegate that. But I was very nervous. <laughs> I watching, wouldn't mind. <laughs> I was very nervous watching Riv, though, for that for that reason. Wait, <laughs> did, you, did you say I have, as in I have walked it back? I, I apologize. Like, you always ask me to apologize. I oh, always apologize. It was like pulling teeth, Max, as you might imagine. Yeah, it uh, felt I was like gonna a say, backhanded p- apology. Oh, no, it was never. the back of the backhand. It was. It was. Uh, I don't even know how to describe how weak the apology was. But no. uh, I was gonna say, if you think he should walk it back, you obviously have not been paying attention to how things go on the show. I want him to just go deeper. I feel like we all are. Owed, I mean, everybody who comes on should be owed their apology if we've gotten in an argument with Randy about Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Max, I Max, let me apologize to you specifically right now. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. <laughs> yes, I would. I would like very to do big that. Of you. So, serious question, Max. As uh, legit as a three-time winner, now do you do you think you is your next tournament you'll be playing the CJ Cup this week is your first time as, as a three-time winner? Will you walk around with a little bit of a different feeling about yourself at this tournament? Yeah, I actually really think so. I think. Uh... I mean, I know it's kind of silly, but you win one time. I think, you know, obviously a lot of people won one time. Um, and, and I was just actually listening. I know we'll talk about it. I was just like listening to Sung Jay's interview um, after the Shriners. And, you know, he said that second win's really hard because I think you know you can do it. And maybe you think you should do it, uh, win more, like a lot faster. And obviously it's just as hard, if not harder. You start playing in, you know, tough fields, I guess. Uh, for the majority of the season. So when you get the second, it's like, okay, it's almost like a, 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 a relief. And then you start to feel like, okay, you know, this isn't a fluke, obviously. Um, and I don't think that the third was near as hard, but I think the third is like that building block to like, okay, you know, there's people who uh, win and then there's like winners, I guess. And you start to feel like, hey, you know, I could kind of, if I play well, like it's very like, obvious to myself now that if I play well like it's good enough to get going the thing for me is I guess you know that walking around is going to going to be uh helpful because the big events I haven't done I mean like you know these uh no cut events uh the the limited fields the majors the WGCs like those I haven't had very much success in and I think maybe this will help me kind of walk around and feel a little bit more like hey you know I'm not just here because I you know, I won one event. It put me in in one. I'm I'm, in, I'm here because my world rankings get better because I'm you know winning at a at a better clip and getting top tens. I've always thought that the players who get a ton of top tens, uh, it speaks more volume to their game uh, than maybe just like you know winning three times. But you know, mixing in some good finishes within those is good uh, for for the psyche, I guess. Because and I I mean to all you know no no jokes honestly on this, but like when we talk about the Tony Finau thing or you know i know xander hasn't won in a little while minus you know obviously winning the olympics he it's like it's not like you 
I don't look at those people any differently. If anything, I'm like, man, they are so good to put themselves in that position. Like it's so hard to actually win. It's very uh, like fickle to win. There's a lot that can go on. Somebody just shot 62 to win. It's not like Shank played bad. It's not like Wolf played bad. It's just somebody went out and grabbed it. And it's like, but you look at those guys are always near the top of the leaderboard. And like, I'm doing that a little bit more. So I think even that this season, just like, okay, start walking around these events. Like the CJ cut, where you're going to have the best players in the world and be like, all right, you know, it's not a fluke you're here. Like you're, it would be, you know, it would be weird if you weren't in an event like this, the way golf has been going for me lately. Was this win any different for you in terms of, uh, I, I felt like it was third and fourth round. You know, you, you had a pair of 65s and just being in a position where, you know, at, at one point, did you start to sniff it? And, and did it feel a little different than your your prior two wins? It was only similar to Riv in the sense that I felt like I was chasing all weekend. Um, that was the only similarity. And it wasn't similar to Wells Fargo was like kind of the it was different than the other two by a mile because I first off was way kind of over my skis. I felt like, uh, and I didn't feel like I was like really belong, but I knew I was playing really good. So it was like a weird kind of battle there, but I was also out in front and it was really only like a, a few horse race. Um, Riff, I felt like, you know, I was chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And I knew if I just kept doing that, like I, I needed a little help, I guess, but I, I could just keep kind of plugging. And a course like that, like if you just don't make a lot of mistakes, someone is bound to uh, just because how hard it is. And then this one felt different because in in a lot of ways, but it felt a shade more routine. And it actually felt like when I was going into Saturday's round, third round, um, I was quite a few back, but I felt like, hey, if I play well, like on the weekend, or if I play well on Saturday, I'm going to be in this golf tournament. And like, that was a good feeling. I think that had been... uh, I had a lot of help from like the other events I played well, especially like the Valspar playing really good on Saturday to get into the mix. And even like, you know, Memorial, I was in the mix going into Sunday because of a good Saturday round. So I started to feel like, Hey, there's not really a number you're too far back if you go out and and play good golf. Um, And that's stuff that you just see with like experience. So that's where it felt different. And then once I play well Saturday, like Sunday, I think I was two or three back, but I started to see like, Hey, you're only like, there's only, they always said this about Tiger by the day. It's like, oh, he's, he's six back, but there's only three people to pass. And it's like, that does start, you do start to see that's how winning becomes a little bit easier because when you have like six people to pass six back, it's like, man, if any of those six people get kind of hot, it makes it very, you know, it makes it exponentially harder. So in this case, I just had two guys, I think just Jim, uh, Jimmy Hardkay and Mav were in front of me. And then I was tied with Stallings who, uh, obviously has won a, a good amount on tour. So I was like, but if it was just, you know, three, four people, Taylor was behind me by like a stroke. So there was definitely some, but I felt like I had kind of, you know, as much chance as the guys, you know, two ahead, just in the sense that, you know, Sundays are, you know, long marathon type stuff. So that's where I felt different is I felt super comfortable and it felt a lot more routine. It felt more like I didn't feel like I was battling like a lot of emotions and a lot of, um, I don't know, just like battling myself. I felt like I was going out there and just playing good golf again. And uh, like I had the day before and the day before that. So it was like, just go play. So that was the fun part is I know the field wasn't amazing. I know it wasn't like some super star studded final round, but it was cool still that it felt more routine and a little bit more like, you know, go out and get you something. And like, that's kind of just what I did. And that was fun. Cause that's, you don't get that opportunity uh, really, you know, that, that feels more like a, uh, that, that's kind of how a feeling you get more in um, like when you're a little bit younger where you don't feel like 
you feel like, hey, if I go out there and play, I know the guys I'm playing. You know, if I go out there and play well, I think I could kind of, you know, do something special to to catch, or I don't need to do something special to catch up. And that's how this felt. Whereas my first two, just because of not winning really much before, obviously, it felt like I had to just be perfect. And like this one, I felt like I could just go play. And it almost freed me up to play, you know, closer to like perfect-ish golf in a way. Are uh, are are guys becoming a hunter, a, a certified <laughs> hunter? I mean, honestly, that's that's awesome. It's it, it, uh, whiffs of whiffs of being a killer. I literally said that. I mean, I I, I have had a, a, a career as a whole in the sense I, I haven't been the most consistent player top ten wise. This past year was finally like a bit a bit more like that. But it has felt like, hey, you know, if if, if I get near a lead, at least I feel I do feel comfortable, and I think that's a big like. Uh, a good feeling to have so i was kind of telling myself i was like you gotta go hunt down these <laughs> these guys and, and go get you uh you know some birdies and like you know it that that stuff that's the stuff that i like when my you know brain gets back into that mode because it is difficult in this sport because you win so infrequently even you know my everybody minus tiger and phil really and maybe dj like just you don't get the feeling of being around the lead a lot and the fact that i've had a couple more tr- chances this year uh it's like, okay, you start to just the comfortability of being like around it. You don't, you start to learn, like, you know, Justin told me before I won Wells Fargo, I asked him for a piece of advice. And that's what he said. He's like, you don't need to go out there and do anything crazy. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to do something special really to get it done. And you don't actually understand that till you do it. And it's like, I still felt like, I felt a little bit like I did better job of that at Riv than even Wells Fargo. But at, at the Fortnite, I was very much like, play good golf, see where you can get to. And, you know, Maverick played amazing. And it was just like, you just got to go. Pl- it's like, you just got to be, you know, like I said, a few less people on a Sunday. And that helps because your eyes aren't looking at 50 people on the board. There's not a lot of change. You know, Maverick got out there and got, was g- getting going and not making any mistakes. So it's like, all right, I got to get to what he's at, you know, in six, seven holes. And it's like, just keep making birdies, keep making birdies. And then, yeah. So in a weird way, like you do kind of feel like you're hunting a little bit. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're playing good golf and you're starting to see some results, I guess that like really lends itself to just being calm and playing. It would be like playing at home in a money game and you're two, three down through five. And it's like, okay, game's so good. Like go chase them down. There's not like a lot of panic, I guess, is the difference. The other two, I felt like I was, you're really trying not to try hard. <laughs> That's what I felt <laughs> like I could just like play. <laughs> that makes sense. No, I think that makes sense in terms of like, does, does it, I'm trying to think of the way to ask it. Is it? It, it almost seems like the way you're describing it is a competitive nature takes over in that regard and, and it, it becomes more of a uh, a competition than it is about golf per se that I don't know if that makes any sense at all but am I onto something in a way yeah because I think um, I think when you get into that uh, mode and I know you guys joke and I joke about like the match play situation obviously it's not match play but if you were to put yourself in an actual match play, uh round like you're super super focused on each hole and like your blinders are like way way on and i would imagine that's what tiger did you know when he was winning all these golf tournaments but it's very hard to do thursday through saturday it's very easy just to play the big grand scheme of golf and when you get on a sunday and you're near the lead it's like every shot seems to just be heightened every hole seems like it's kind of like that do or die but it 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 makes your focus so much greater that it just becomes competition you're not thinking about your golf swing you're not thinking about your putting stroke you're trying to get the dang ball in the fairway on the green and into the hole and like that's all that matters and in a cool way it like frees you up to be like this 
That's why you see, I think, such cool stuff on Sundays to win golf tournaments because you see people just like allow their body to react the way that it, it can. And um, it's just, it's one of those things that's very, very difficult to do when the macro of a golf tournament on a Thursday seems so big. And then yeah. on Sunday, it starts to feel like, oh, I'm real close. Like you said, like the all of golf kind of goes away and it just becomes like, how do I make a birdie right now? If I got to make a 50, 50 foot chip, I'm going to make that. If I got to make a 10 foot putt, I'll make that. If I have to, you know, you know, whole lot of bunker shot, I'll do that. Like you just get super locked into like the actual like shot at hand in a way more so than ever before, especially when you're two back, let's say with like seven to go. Cause then it just becomes like, how do I get the ball in the hole? And it's fun. Cause then you just start to let yourself trust uh, like all the practice and whatnot. That's when it kind of comes down to it. Cause you're not going to find something with nine holes to go in your golf swing, you're just going to keep, you, you gotta, you gotta hit golf shots. You were, you were giving a lot of props to Joe after the round. I think you called him a genius or uh, you said, I don't know what it was specific was you said about it, but I think there is, is, I guess, is there something to like when in contention, how important is it to have a great player in his own right to help with the decisions, especially when the conditions are firm and like the way he's able to describe golf shots, where you needed to land, it seemed like it actually, it, it I guess, of course, we understand the impact, but like it seemed like in that situation in particular, it was especially beneficial. Is that fair? Yeah, um, I do think for sure when the golf courses get firm, that's why I call them a genius really is because when the golf course courses get firm, he has an amazing feel for what balls need to land and what they're going to do on the ground. And uh, we obviously don't play a ton of firm golf courses, uh, you know, during the summer. But when we get out on the fall, they really kind of bake out because uh, of the weather. And uh, it was really, really firm all week in Napa. And it was just, it's just nice to like have that soundboard to bounce them off of. And him, you, you like, I have a lot of trust in, in what he says. If he says, hey, this ball needs to land here. We get up there and a lot of the times, you know, it is right about what we needed to land it. And so it just, it, it, it breeds like confidence in what we're going to do. Because I don't have to like second guess it. There's not a lot of like, oh, shoot, no, we, that was wrong. And th if the next one, if we get that wrong, you know, all of a sudden it's a snowball. It's like they, they, they're right. He's right a lot. Like, and he, every time I've had a good tournament, really, and, and especially the, the wins, he has always said something that I just felt like was really profound might be too, too deep a word, but it's just something that like resonates. And even like on Sunday on 17, I made a good putt and I kind of like, I kind of, I don't like show a ton of emotion and I kind of showed some emotion. I was very pumped up and I walked over, high fived him. And then he just like kind of whispered in my ear. He's like, all right, slow down, like get ready for the next tee shot. And it's like, it's the littlest stuff like that, that really helps. Cause he, he let me have my little moment. He let me be kind of like a, a, you know, peacock a little bit. And then, and then, and then once I was done that, he's like, all right, you know, Hey, like you had it, you're fun. It was fun. Slow back down and like, let's go hit that fairway on 18. And it's like just the littlest stuff with me and him is just like, it's very that's why our relationship's really really good and especially good on the golf courses because you know he, he wants to have all the fun in the world but he also knows exactly what we should be doing to like succeed and like when i listen it does seem to it does seem to go pretty well all right well we brought you in to recap uh you know the shriners this week i think all of us combined probably didn't watch a, a ton of golf this week but sung jm Second career PGA Tour win. Um, it seems the two wins that he's had are the the two strongest memories I have of him are when in contention that dude is aiming directly at the flagstick with zero <laughs> inhibition for how big his lead is or the risk involved with those t shot or those those shots. 
Is that the same thing you're seeing? Is that it look as crazy to you as it does to me? Dude, yeah, it's so funny, man. Like I he's a he is amazing, like truly amazing. He works super hard and like it shows because it, I love course management and you love hearing, you know, somebody hit like this like you know, sensible golf shot to like 20 feet right of the pin. But if I told you you're gonna hit a two-yard cut every single time, like why would you aim away from the flag? <laughs> and that's him. Like he doesn't really miss. Like it's really rare that he hits like a marginally bad golf shot. He plays golf very similarly, uh, similarly to Colin Morikawa, where it's just like, yeah, if I hit it like you, I would just aim it like every pin. So that's what he does, and he's really good at it. So um, you know, you get some of these events. Even you know, Lacey was saying today, she's like, I can't believe he's only won two times, and it's true because right? you you see his name, he's up there all the time because he doesn't miss. <laughs> and it's like it's frustrating how easy he makes it look, and then he gets days and weeks like this where it's just like it all I guess comes together. I don't even know what would hold him back from winning more, but um, he he does everything really good. He chips in a lot. He's obviously an unreal ball striker, and he puts it good. I don't know. He. He is a freak of nature. He's also, you know, super, super young, which uh, is even more scary. So um, I don't know, man. Uh, he, I, I would imagine the deeper he gets into a Sunday near the lead, he's like, man, I'm really not missing it. So I might as well go even more at the pin. Yeah. What that? So that was what I was going to bring up. Is good to know, Lacey, your wife, Lacey, and I are on the same wavelength. Uh, couldn't believe <laughs> this was his second career win, because he was such a darling to even win a major this year you know I, I think he was a name a lot of folks were were talking about as somebody to keep an eye on uh with the major breakthrough solly do you have any i, I know you're this i'm putting you on the spot but the stats guy like what what is the hole in his game or or is it just you know a chalk it up to to winning is is difficult and obviously he's very young i was gonna say one he's 23 years old um but i Jesus. think this is a is a bit <laughs> of a sophomore slump this year. I mean, he, I'm kind of amazed, you know, at, I think this was his third top 10. Maybe this was his fourth top 10 in the calendar year of 2021. Oh, wow. And yeah, which, you know, he had that just insane run really as a rookie, um, which he was just a, a cash machine. I think there's a tweet out there somewhere where I said that Sung Jay may win $50 million on tour. And <laughs> for all we know, that, that might be low. I mean, honestly, he plays. I think it might be low. He might break Jay Haas's record for most starts. I don't. He doesn't really take any rest. He just goes and plays golf all the time. But, yeah, his ball striking numbers, like, in 2021 were just not what you'd think. He was 65th in strokes gained approach, um, which, yeah, he just seems like he strikes the hell out of it. Also, going back to the President's Cup, if, you know, if I'm remembering right, he was just – he was pretty awesome with the ball striking – at Royal Melbourne and kind of looked like he was taking the leap uh, that we were expecting him to take. You know, you know, he, who, he, who he's a lot like, honestly, is Charles Howell in the sense that he will always be just a freaking ATM machine. Like I can't, you can never say how many wins someone's going to have. Cause like I said, it's like, it's just hard. Like it's random at, at some point, but he will always have good years. Like, always because one he plays a lot and two he plays really well <laughs> and when you hit the ball like that it's really hard even on weeks where like the putter gets cold it's really hard to miss cuts and not dumb your way into like a uh, five under par saturday or sunday to move yourself into contention when you hit it that well because at some point like you know you'll make a couple 20 footers and then golf feels super easy but like he doesn't he doesn't do enough to like make a lot of mistakes and like I guess it's not like, and the reason I liken it to Charles is it's not super flashy. It's just insanely impressive. 
but it's almost one of those where you have to like watch him all the time to realize how good he is. Cause if you watch Sung Jae hit one golf ball, you'd be like, Oh yeah, it's great. You know, but like, I've seen that before. Watch a bit of hundred golf balls. You'll be like, dude, <laughs> like, <laughs> mess one up, man. Chill. Like, let's make this We're trying to have yeah, fun chill. out here, man. <laughs> yeah. A quick break here to check in with our friends at melt method. I'm guessing conservatively guessing, I would say about 95 plus percent of our audience, probably you're probably not doing all you can to keep your body healthy and do your best to limit physical pain. A lot of us sit at keyboards all day, probably not with the best posture. As we get older, you know, the aches and pains, they're mounting. I know on this end of the microphone, they are mounting for me. This is where Melt Method comes into play. I want to be as healthy as I can be to play as much golf as possible, but I get uh, you know upper back problems that pop up, lower back stuff. Had a hip problem at one point this year. The Melt Method app has exercises and treatments for specific pain areas you may have, uh, but also might help you get rebalanced, help you activate muscles that will add flexibility to your golf swing. Uh, even there's, they got a bunch of simple activities you can do at your desk, like rolling out your hands and feet. You can do it while you're on a Zoom call or whatever it is. You can stream their programs from any device. They got over 100 hours of content on there. It helps you reduce chronic pain, boost your overall well-being uh, with their blend of neurofascial techniques. Listen, I'm not going to teach you what neurofascial means. They do that in the program. It makes way more sense when they do it than I do it, but this is very real. We are all melting our faces off over here. So go to meltgolf.com. You can use code NOLANGUP for 10% off their super bundle that gets you started again. Meltgolf.com, code NOLANGUP for 10% off their super bundle. Uh, let's get back to our pod. Big Randy, take it away. That's really interesting, Max. If I can ask you about something you just said about winning being random and and I think I agree with that to an extent, but especially in regards to a guy like Morikawa, who has won five times, you know, two majors. Do you think there's randomness within a certain band for people? Like, like, like how, what's the scope of the randomness, I guess is what I'm getting at. Or can we peg guys at, at certain levels pretty early in the, you know, early on in the process? I don't know yeah, if I'm asking uh, that question correctly, but like, I, I like Sun JM could maybe be, you know, he might win seven to twelve times, you know, maybe it's something else. But like, how how narrow can we kind of peg guys, like like with any kind of accuracy? Do you think? I think it. I think it. it you could definitely do it. Like, you know, I think there would be a pretty, you know, not easy, but like simple way to like, you know, say, hey, you know, this guy is going to win more than this guy. I, you would have to dive into stats or whatever to figure out why I do think that maybe there it's hard. Maybe there is like a killer hunter thing that some people have where like, you know, Collins already won five times and you look at obviously Dustin, who's won 20 something odd times. And it's like, maybe there is something in there, but I look at it as, and, and not granted, I have not played much with Sungjae. I've just watched him hit balls. But when like I play with Colin, like there's a very like, there's a possibility that like, you know, when Sungjae's hitting it well, let's say he hits a seven iron to 10 feet and Colin hits it to like eight. And it's something like when he's on, in my opinion, Colin, like when I talk about don't miss golf shots, like Colin's hitting things stiff where people don't. And Colin's then, Colin then makes that extra putt that like somebody else doesn't. So do I think like Sungjae just immediately jumps up to like where Colin is right now? I, I don't, obviously not like as far as wins go and Colin will maybe win like more than him. Obviously his trajectory is already kind of, it's it's moving that way but at the same time it's it's like if you keep putting yourself in position to win i feel like you you stumble into them more um and i do think i, I don't i use the word random i guess poorly because i don't know what exactly that means i just know that it's it's 
There's factors outside there, of your you control. You can't just go out and take it. Like, yeah, yeah, you, yeah there, there's things outside of your control. You can't just take it. If you go out on a Sunday to hit, let's just say you hit 14 fairways uh, and they were all great drives, but you have 14 in between club shots. Like, I do think Tiger Woods is the best at that too. Like, where even if it wasn't a perfect shot, like he can dial that thing in. But there's also days where you just feel like every number you have is like this perfect stock number. And it's like hard to mess that up. Or every putt you have is like a right edge uphill right left putt and it's just like man like you know it just feels like it's easy but i think that putting yourself in that position a lot if you're going to win a lot of times obviously if you win one two three times four times like you can get that the randomness kind of goes away right you you're just going to go you're going to go have your days where like i just mentioned where everything is just clicking like in a overall uh area like where it's just like every facet just seems easy but if you're going to go win like the best players do which is a lot a lot you, you, I think, get really good at every area of the game so much so that even if things aren't lining up perfectly, you make it work. So I do think that there's tiers. Obviously, you look at somebody like Justin, Thomas, Jordan Spieth. Um, those guys have won a lot at a young age. And it's like, it just seems like even if the cards aren't really stacked the right way for them, they, you know, reshuffle it and figure out how to make it work to win. And I think that's a that's a that would be a tier where you could look at like, hey, we all know like JT and Jordan, like they they are closer to killers. I know you hate like giving anybody that whatever, but they're much closer to killers than most anybody we see. And that's because of those things. Whereas like I feel like there's definitely a tier of people that probably need the things to line up a little bit better for it to happen. It needs to be the right course. It needs to be, you know, the taking it isn't to me a, a thing that very many people have. And I think that uh, that's the part of winning that is in golf is very, very, like I said, ra random. Like you get those days where just the things work, everything seems to work out. And, and I don't know, man, the best, like I said, the, 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 the goats, if you will, like the, the like generational talents seem to, they seem to just be like, Hey, even if I don't have it, even if, the numbers aren't working. Even if this win feels bad, I'm going to figure out how to get the ball in the hole. And I, I don't know how to quantify that, but you just see it with the number of wins. Yeah. I know. It's interesting. Like, I, I think that's what fascinates me most about following golf at this point is just the, the, the unanswerable, like what really is in, like, like what do players have in their control? Like what do they control versus what's yeah. outside of their control in, in the grand scheme of things? I, I just think it's, it's endlessly fascinating. And I want to, the way I've kind of come to the conclusion on this, Max, and I'm curious your take on it is what has just happened is pretty, it is, it is as simple as that. That's what happened. All right. That is not necessarily representative of who you are, what you are and what you will be. Right. Like if you, did not end up, you know, making some clutch putts coming down the stretch at the Fortinet and you don't end up holding a wedge that really doesn't make you less of a player, but like, that's what happened. And when you're dealing with these yeah. statistical, like weird improbabilities of, you know, you kind of need a shot like that hole out to win a PGA tour event. Uh, it, it's just like that. That's, that's what happened. And you look at events that you've been very close at and you haven't done what you needed to do to win. Again, that doesn't mean that you don't have that skill that you won't, you know, show off that skill to close in the future. It's just like, that's what happened at the 3M last year. Like you, you just didn't have your Sunday you needed. And uh, I don't have a better way of phrasing it than that, but <laughs> is, I don't know. Does that sound like on the path to something? Yeah, I have a, I've actually thought about this before. So my, uh, if golf term, golf tournaments are such like an arbitrary number, right? Four rounds, 72 holes. 
And I was talking to, I actually played golf with uh, Mark Urbanic, a uh, female's caddy like two weeks ago. And we were talking about it because he was kind of talking about, you know, how people, whatever, give Finau a hard time on not winning a lot. But he's like, I just can't imagine someone being much better than Tony Finau at golf. And I was, so I was like, dude, it's, you know, I think it just, you know, it's fickle. It, I, I would, I, I, you look at the top tens, top threes, top twos, in my opinion, much more than just like, hey, let's just put a hard, you know, number on how many wins they have. And that's how good you are. And if, so we were, I was joking with them. I said, you know, if, if tournaments were 71 holes, 73 holes, 75 holes, you know, random, more random numbers. like everyone's career would be upside down possibly, but the longer a golf tournament goes on, the more likelihood of the best player winning that golf tournament. So if we played a tournament that was six rounds long and let's say John Rahm and and Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas and Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Brooks Kepka and uh, Finau and all these guys were there, they would probably end pretty damn close to like, that would be the top five order. Like that's what the proof of best players in the world are. It's longevity, it's consistency. it's, It's all those things. And I use that because at Q school, my rookie year, we had a six round uh, Q school. Now it's four for the final stage. And Justin Thomas after four rounds was not in it. And then Justin mm. after the next two days does get in it. And it's like, yeah, if you keep letting the tournament go on, that best player will work his way towards the top because everyone else's average is going to go back to the mean. And like the best player in the world's average is much higher than the next player, best player in the world's average. And then so on down. So it's like, I just think that like the, the randomness or sorry, the, the, the arbitrary number of holes we play, which works out perfect. It's very exciting, but it also doesn't, it, it lends itself to the best player winning. It, it's still like, if we played nine more holes, like <laughs> you're going to put your, you know, you're going to put your car or you're going to put your chips in with the best player ranked up there. Like we were watching, uh, you know, we're friends with, with Adam Shank and, and Lacey's friends with his wife. And we're watching, you know, yesterday, see the leaderboard. I'm like, oh, it's Shank's winning. And she's like, oh my gosh, like blah, blah, blah. And then we like, you know, we always joke, like, who do you think is going to win tomorrow? Because obviously he had a one shot lead, I think today. And it's so hard to pick like him winning just because he hasn't done it before. But it's, that does he's a world-class golfer. Like he, he's on the PGA Tour. He's had good success. Sure, he hasn't won yet, but he has good success. But you start to realize like, ah, it's a term. It goes another 18 holes. I'm just going to pick. You know, like I thought Wolf was going to win because I thought he was the next best player down that board. And it's like you just it just I don't know what it is. There's it's, it's so hard to quantify it, but it's just the longer a golf tournament goes on, the best player that week seems to creep his way to the top. But so much little things go into that last day. As Solly said, like if you had a seven iron to eight feet and then you super horseshoe that putt out and you lose by one, like is that what we're going to consider like? what went like that, that you're not good enough because that putt burnt the edge like real hard. Like, I don't know, but to your point, Randy, like that's the really fascinating part about golf is it's not like other sports, the best teams in other sports win uh, the world series or win the NBA championship or win the super bowl. Like they just do because they do, especially in baseball they do and basketball, they do series like seven game series and stuff. And it's like over seven games, you know, you should in that sport be able to figure out who the best team is in golf. It's like week after week. So that's why like, I like, you know, at the end of the year, who is the best player? And it's like very obviously right now, John Rom. John Rom has, I think I've, I've won as much this year as John did. And I would not even close to say that I'm better than John or as good as John Rom at the moment. Right. So it's like lot like that, that sustained consistency is what makes someone great, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win each week, I guess it's super, but that's why golf is such an interesting, weird sport. I just, you can go on the side of Randy where it's like wins, 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 and that's all that matters, and that's cool. Or you can look at the side, I think, Solly and I are on, where it's like just sustained excellence is more what I look at for who I'm going to say, hey, that's that's the guy. 
Dang, I didn't know we were going to end up on a two-on-one tonight. Tough scene for our guy Randy. <laughs> well, no, I, you know, I, I, I think it's very good points. I, I think that's the fun of being a sports fan and specifically a golf fan, though, is just, yeah, I, I, I like these arguments are fun for me, and and I think they they hopefully are fun for people. Like I, I think in the end, part of why we like to watch sports is like sitting around and and having arguments about who's better. Um, and that's the whole point of sports really right for that. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The fun, yeah most fun part right <laughs> um uh matthew wolf uh he had a final round it felt like 78 i think it was a 300 par 68 uh to finish solo second <laughs> could not get off the tee uh in round four what's it like max to play great golf for three days get to sunday and not have your best stuff i'm like i i, I struggle with trying to figure that out i mean we see it from the best players in the world and uh you know it's all, it, almost weekly you have somebody that has three great rounds and a tough final round. What's it like trying to find it while you're actually in contention? I just don't think that you can, honestly. I just think things are moving. And this this is the part I will give Randy is like for the for the you know the the people who just go out and win. Is I do think that that the guys who you see win a lot can go out there on Sunday, and I just don't think that their things are moving as fast as they are for them as other people because. For me, when I've gotten out on Sundays at Valspar happened this year, I and Memorial, I got out there and Valspar, I thought I had a good chance. Sam ran away with it, but I thought I had a good chance going to Sunday. I got off to a decent start and the swing felt like a little bit looser and the putting stroke just didn't feel quite as good. And it felt impossible and I couldn't find anything because there just wasn't time and my your heart rate's higher and like everything just doesn't, the feels are all, your feels when you're nervous are I think either very good or very bad. And I don't think there's a ton of middle to that. So for Matt, and it doesn't have to be throughout your whole bag, but like for Matt, today, it seemed like his driver, you know, the, the off the tee game was just like, it was loose. And I, I think obviously having a go-to shot, it, it would be your, like the best, I guess, idea to go to, but if that's not working, then I don't know where you go next. So it's just a scary feeling because you feel so in control for three days. And then all of a sudden that last day where it obviously matters the most it's off. And you're just thinking like, I haven't even prepared myself for this because all the past three days, I've just had a really good feel of like, Oh yeah, this holds easy. You take it out of that tree and draw it off that tree and like, Oh, whatever, move it down. And then all of a sudden you get there on Sunday and you've just hit three bad drives in a row. And you're like, I don't see that tee shot at all. And it's felt so easy the prior three days. So it's just like, it, it's just an awful it's an awful feeling. Kudos to Matt. I mean, he still went out there and played really good golf. Um, he's obviously an amazing player. I'm really, really happy to see him playing better and and um, back in you know the the mainstream of golf because that was kind of that was a huge bummer last year seeing him kind of go through uh, what he's talking about like mentally. Um, so it's cool to see him back. And you know, this is like this is the stuff. You know, if you're gonna keep putting yourself in condition, it's gonna it's gonna feel real good on a Sunday one time, and it, it's gonna click and it'll win. Obviously, he he's won a lot already uh from college and already won on the pj tour so it's not like winning is going to be a problem for him um so it's cool to get it for him to be back in that uh kind of the driver's seat to win um but yeah when it's just a little off man on a sunday it's just things go so fast and your brain's going fast and your body's kind of moving different it's just there's no finding it it's just can i find a golf shot that feels like it will it will be like sustainable for, for the near future. And then I hope that all the pins are on the right side for me to be able to go to that golf shot. So it's a, it's kind of a nightmare in that, but um, you know, for him to come out and still shoot three under with not maybe having it, like that's really impressive. 
can you relate or under like understand or help paint the picture at all for like what I'm sure you don't know the ins and outs completely of Matt's situation over the last you know year or so, but like just kind of a young athlete struggling with uh, the mental side of life. It sounds like more so even than golf and what it's like to be a traveling young professional and, and the the not so glamorous sides maybe of professional golf. Uh, I'm just wondering if you could shine a light on any uh, any perspective you may have on that. Yeah, I've gotten to know him a little bit, and um, I, you know just from getting to know him and, and, and hear his interviews and whatnot, I've really thought a lot about like why he would feel that way, because I think it's very natural for everybody to just be like, man, he's a 21 year old gazillionaire with all the potential in the world to be like the best player in the world. And like, why wouldn't you just be super happy all the time? And so I thought, thought to myself about like my rookie year and it's, it's a lonely game and it really only gets lonelier as even the better you play because as we were talking about it a couple nights ago, the web, I was with Hubbard and um, I'm not supposed to admit it, but I was with Joel Damon as well. We were having dinner. Uh, Mark was like the mediator, making sure we didn't fight or anything, but we were talking about it. And I was like, man, I was like, how much more fun was like the web.com tour? Like, cause nobody could afford to bring, you know, their family. Nobody could afford to do a lot of like, crazy stuff during the week like even last night like all these guys went to the fight out in vegas and it's really fun but it's like on the web tour you are going to dinner with a group of guys at the tournament every single week or every single night of each week and even though you are making a tenth the money and you are in you know not as good not not as good golf courses and in kind of like a little bit more off cities it's like you are just having laughs every night you're telling funny stories you're you're you have like a crew at all times. And then you get out here and it gets kind of like a little more isolated. Everyone's doing their own thing. It's a much more of like a business. And um, you you have, yeah, Lacey's flipping me off because now she is with me and <laughs> times are even better. Uh, <laughs> but say. I mean, my point, my point is the whole, the reason for that and why, you know, I like what, what I have now is because I am married. I have my dog here. Like I'm living like my home life on the road still. So like I'm not doing all of that lonely stuff like I did my rookie year. Matt's 20, Matt was 20 years old when he turned pro. It is really hard to make friends out here. It is way harder when you have, you're 20 and you have and nothing COVID. in common there's with the next nothing guy. nothing going on. And there's COVID. There's nothing going on. I mean, he has a girlfriend. I know she travels a bit, but even still, it's like he doesn't have like, he doesn't have like a crew of guys that he came up with because he's too, he's too much of a, like a superstar freak, you know, like he's a prodigy, right? And those prodigies don't like, I mean, Tiger's probably dealt with it. Like when Tiger turned, you know, I just watched it. Like he won this tournament uh, in Vegas when he was 20. Like you think a lot of people were relating to a 20 year old super mega star. And like, you just assume that he's having the time of his life. But if he's not, I totally get it because there's not a lot for him to like do with other people. Like it's just, it's hard to make friends. People have been out here for years. They have their little group. It's very rare. I would imagine that like, uh, a seasoned veteran is going to become best friends with a 20 year old kid. And as great as Matt is, he's, he's awesome. It's like, that's just like the way of the world out here. And it's just, it's tough. So like you do your best to like have groups of friends and have my, you know, have my Tuesday games and my practice crew. And like, I'm lucky because my coach coaches now, like, you know, he's got like five, six guys. So then you'll get close with there. It's just different, man. Like it, it's, it's hard to really like, can like have good relationships where you feel like, Hey, this is fun. We're doing this. And like, now I have it being out here the last three years, I feel like I've gotten that. And again, now I have 
the like means to be able to take you know my family out here and like make sure that like i'm staying maybe with i try to do a better job making sure i'm staying near you know somebody else i know uh, that's out here and make sure that we're setting up dinners to go do things that are fun instead of just like the repetitive monotonous like everyday life of just hey hit balls go to the gym go home eat by yourself wake up hit balls go to the gym eat by yourself like that gets that gets old real fast and i mean I can't imagine for someone like him who's even younger and, and just, I just, it's, I think it's a shock value. You went straight from college golf where everyone's on your side, on your team, and everyone wants you to do great. Now all of a sudden it's just Matt, you know, Matt Wolf Incorporated. Like that's a tough gig. So I'm happy he's finding some happiness and some peace with it because I think he's a great kid. I think he's a great golfer. So I, I hope he, uh, hope he's starting to at least, you know, find his own avenue to, to make it fun again. That's, and I wonder, I, yeah, golf is so unique that way. I, well, maybe tennis too, right? The individual sports, but um, I, I'm just thinking of you know the teenagers that come up in the NBA or baseball, and it's like you're you're part of a, a clubhouse, right? You're you're traveling as a team, and although the tour travels together, you people are just kind of off doing their own thing. Is there anything even the tour could do? Um, you know, I think one thing that that we hear anecdotally is you know, back in the day, the tour used to be much more of a caravan where folks, you know, traveled together and there was a lot more connectedness outside of the golf course. And it just, maybe it's just the way of the world and, and how things are that that's kind of gone by the wayside, I guess. I think back in the day, they did something like similar to like, uh, I think sororities do like a big sister, little sister thing. I think the tour did something like a big brother, little brother type thing. I don't know. I, I mean, I could be wrong that happened. I'm pretty sure that used to happen. And um, I don't know why that would have gone away. Uh, I think that wouldn't be a bad idea for like the rookies to be like, you know, have just a group of us be like, hey, yeah, I'd volunteer to like have a dude kind of like under your wing. And like, yeah. I try to lend myself to like the young kids, but it's, you know, I need to meet them for like, it's kind of ran it's random to like meet them, I guess. But like, you know, <laughs> I have a kid, Dylan Wu. He's a member uh, at a course I play at back home. And he's a really nice dude. I've known him for like, you know, since he was playing on web. And so since he's turned pro, you know, played practice round together at Napa. And like, anytime he'd want to play, like I'd be down, um, you know, he texts me about like, you know, cause same stuff I had to text people about, but like, it's scary. Like I said, for the Matt, this whole Matt thing, like it's scary to like, you know, try to get somebody's number and then be like, Hey man, like, where do I check in this week? Where's the locker room? Like, where do you suggest I stay? Like little things like that. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, cause these people are obviously also trying to win golf tournaments and be an adult and like, you know, make millions of, you know, they're doing their own thing. Like everyone's doing their own thing. So it's like, uh, so I don't know, something like that would be helpful. Like, I guess to the young kids and like for a year just to get their kind of like get, get, get themselves kind of back to like feeling comfortable. But then at the same time, like in a selfish way, I don't care if you're comfortable, <laughs> you know, I just deal with it. <laughs> You know, so like figure it out, I guess. But like, like I said, I try to always lend myself and like if anybody ever has a question or wants to play a practice round or has some some interest into something like about, how, you know, what they should do this week or next week or whatever. It's like, yeah, I'd love to help. Um, but like I said, kind of takes some I guess it takes some guts to be like the kid to reach out and be like, hey, you know, so and so like, you know, can I get some advice on this? And everybody out here from, from my experience has always been super 
helpful, but they're not going to go out there and be like, Hey man, do you need anything? You know, like, right. so I don't know if the tour could maybe like suggest or push that on us a little bit more and be like, Hey, let's do a little connection. Max, you're going to be with Dylan. Um, you know, you guys exchange numbers. So we don't have to go through this and even just a meet and greet and be like, okay, cool. And like, Hey, Dylan, I ever need anything. Like, here's my number. And like that, yeah. that could work. Cause that's a benefit of where, where I live. Cause we get a, a lot of the guys either playing on corn Ferry or on PJ tour where you start to create like just the most basic of relationships, but it helps. Cause all of a sudden you're like, Oh shoot, I got a question about this. I don't know who's going to the tournament. Oh, I see, you know, Matt Jones is playing. I got Matt's number. I'll text him. It's like, even that as small as that is, it just helps when you are kind of lost and especially when you're young. Cause like I was saying, like when I turned pro rookie year, I don't have enough money to do anything. I want to have enough money to take, you know, my dog and my wife on the road with me. Like I'm still kind of living on the same means I was before, but now everyone else is living this, like, you know, their home life on the road. And it's like, man, now I'm stuck. So I need a crew of people. And if you're not best friends with the guys you graduated with all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well now what do I do? I'm doing the same thing I was last year, except by myself. Yeah. I think there's something that goes to just have that, like, still needing a sense of purpose, right? If you have your home life on the road with you, like that sense of purpose is easy, way easier to find, right? You're doing, you know, your thing. Uh, and, and, you know, when you're young and you don't have that same like community or sense of purpose following you around. Yeah. I could, I could see it being just something you don't are not in the mindset to want to do. Have either of you guys seen the uh, Marty fish uh, Netflix documentary yeah. piece? I just yeah. watched that this past week and I felt like that helped me, uh, understand at least a little bit. I, that, that I would highly recommend that to anyone that uh, maybe hasn't seen that. But. I, I would never like, honestly, it's so difficult. It's so, this topic is so difficult in professional sports because I would never, what was me, my life, my life is, I love what I do and all that. But I just think because it's under a microscope, people just assume, hey, you make a lot of money, you yeah. should be happy. And I just, yeah. I, I, I understand why people think that. And I totally, totally get it. Like I wouldn't trade anything about what I've done or gone through or anything. Um, but that point is still important that that does not mean that you're going to be happy and, and content that you need there. You need other things. Like you do need other things, relationships and some peace and quiet and some of these things to like balance that out. And again, no woes me. Like it's, everything about this life is awesome but there's also you it should be allowed for naomi uh osaka to be like hey like i hate this part of my job i hate having to talk to the media like i don't like it and then everyone bashes her it's like she she said like, i get that you guys don't don't you know don't want me to skip this stuff i get it i'm just explaining that i don't like doing it it's like i think that's okay to say like those stuff that stuff is good to put out there and then hopefully those people can find a way to enjoy it or, or find a balance where like that doesn't overtake them as much as Matt said, like if he could just be a little bit happier on the golf course, like just finding that blend. But man, like I think it's okay to say, because it is important like that this stuff, you know, you guys have been doing no laying up for what, like nine years, 10 years. Not quite. Uh, yep. A little over eight now or seven eight years. Like that, so, yeah. And it's, it's amazing, but I mean, I've talked to DJ where he's like, man, I'm like burn out all this golf stuff. And it's like, yeah, and I, you know, you're obviously uh, compassionate and sympathetic. And then if you put that into perspective for like an eight year thing, which I know is a lot of work not taken away from you, but like same amount of work I would imagine for like the, from, from my end, I've been doing this seriously since I was 12. So it's like, it's okay for us. Like I think at sometimes to just kind of vent and be like, man, I, 
fucking over it, man. Like this <laughs> sucks. Like just traveling every week and not getting to sit yeah. on the couch and missing like my like I was supposed to be in like three weddings a few years ago. Couldn't go to any of them. Um, you know, I know my friends who have like missed cuts and they should have been at their son's like t-ball game on a Saturday and couldn't go because they couldn't get back in time and they literally just went on a trip, burn money, miss their son's t-ball game, and then it's like, man, like what am I doing out here? And that's, I think that's what breeds into kind of like the frustration, disappointment, but, and, and I guess like, uh, like, uh, the anxiety or whatever, uh, you know, I guess people, people could put, or people could get into. Um, but like, again, I understand that if I was at home every week, there would be things where I'd be envious of like, Oh, you get to play golf every day. And that's why, I, like I said, would never, what was me this, this is awesome, but there's still going to be little wrinkles where it's like, okay, I can vent about my shitty day or my shitty month because like I've been home in a month and I haven't played good in a month. And like, this isn't very fun. Like that's, and I think that's what Matt was trying to say. Like, you know, I like what I do all that, but like, I'm not happy right now. And it's yeah. like, Oh, you know, that's, I, I get that. I hear that. I get that. Marty's trying to explain that too. And like, it's awesome that people are standing up and saying it because I think that everyone kind of gets that, Hey, it's not that the tennis parts, the hard part or the golf parts, hard part, it's just the life part that can get a little bit, uh, a little bit it's just like lonely is probably not the right word but it, it you just get in your head a little bit and it's just become you watch all your friends doing a lot of good stuff some months and you're doing nothing and you start to feel lesser and then i'm but then the weeks where you play great it's like it kind of works its way back to to the norm so that's what's the good that's what the good part is but that's a young kid man a lot of these people having all the success are very young so it's a lot different i can't really i can't really um i can't really speak to them because i don't really get all of that, but I do know what it was like to be 23, 24 years old on the PJ tour without my wife on the road or girlfriend at the time and without knowing very many people. And it's very, it's just weird, man. Like, I don't get it. I'm playing in a sport where like you got these mega bazillionaire, like super mega stars and they're like, you know, flying around on private jets. And we're playing the same golf tournament. I took three layovers to get to my like two star hotel <laughs> and we're still playing against each other. And I'm eating out back by myself at the bar and they're, you know, having another like function but then you get to their point where it's like then they're doing these functions they hate these functions they just want to be by themselves so it's this whole it's all it's all weird man <laughs> it's uh yeah a couple of things the marty fish stuff is is excellent and i remember his original firsthand piece in the players tribune uh which they've then made this documentary kind of uh elaborating on is fantastic and i would also say like i i think the worm has turned in public perception where like Matthew Wolf and, and I, I, we're, I mean, we don't know the whole story. So I, again, I'm kind of projecting or, you know, this is somewhat conjecture, but I, I think him, if he is taking time to like work on his state of mind and doing that at such a young, like that is so healthy and positive where, you know, the, a guy like Tiger Woods is the shining example of like, yeah, like it can like you, you if you press that down and, and bury that stuff, it, it can manifest in a lot of ugly ways um, that can be pretty destructive. So I, I, I think it's cool to see people like like Matthew and, you know, Naomi Osaka and just the, the whole public conversation and destigmatization of mental health is, I, I think, one of the best things that's happened Um in and around sports and society uh really it feels like in the last five six seven years i think what's interesting about sports is that and i i do think the benefit is that the people who who play professional sports are conditioned to ignore these things but 
like if you go on social media and let's just say you have a bad week in any sport, especially like with fantasy football and stuff, you'll see someone just get mad at like Antonio Brown last week for dropping two passes. And it's just like, you suck Antonio. It's like, you read it and you're like, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm not, obviously doesn't mean anything, but I think if you keep reading that, I keep seeing that and maybe you turn on ESPN and they're talking about why you had a bad game. And it's like, these things go on and on and on. I feel like it just ingrains itself in you. And then in golf, I think the hardest part about golf, as far as the mental state goes, is at the end of every week, you are assigned a number of how good you are. I think that's really, that is, that is not healthy Hmm. because it's so volatile. You can literally be 140 one week and one the next week. And I just don't think it's super healthy. It is something, again, I think benefit, like we're benefited, have been doing this for so long that I think we're used to it. But like, Man, you know, you have a world ranking. I literally know exactly how many people are better than me at this sport in the world. And it's getting smaller. But at one point, there was like 958 of them. And it's like, knowing those things, like, it just can't possibly be good for your brain. But that's a big part of doing what we're doing is getting over that and overcoming those, like, all that, all that random information. It's so like psychological, too, because that's such a good way to put it, Max, with, um, you know, like behavioral uh, personality. Uh, what, what am I trying to say? Like human behavior, behavioral uh, economics, behavioral finance, all that stuff. Like they, they can find people just as a, a dirty example. Um, you know, uh, the, the one of the richest penthouses in Manhattan, right? Like you, you can find miserable people that live there because they're just comparing themselves to their neighbors who are a little bit richer, have a little bit more money. And so it makes me chuckle, you know, like here, here you are the, what, 32nd ranked player in the world. And, you know, you're comparing yourself literally to like 31 other people. Right. <laughs> and, it's, and it's hard to keep that larger picture in mind where it's like, you know, you are 99.9999999, you know, percentile of, of people worldwide. Uh, but, but it's just that relative comparison uh, that gets people in trouble and, and, and is the root of a lot of that you know, psychological stuff that can lead to unhappiness and, and just not, uh, happy with yourself. Anyway, I didn't really think we would go down this road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to get that deep. It's always, no, no, it's great. I about Matt Cause I think it's so interesting, but it's just about at some point stepping back as you get older and putting in perspective, like Sally said, like putting your value in something else, not in your golf, like just, you know, what, am, what makes me, me, and what am I proud of in myself? What I'm proud of in myself is, you know, being nice to people and, and, and having good relationships and making sure I'm checking in on those things. And like, then you always, at the end of each week, you can like reassess how you're evaluating it. I'm not evaluating on birdies and pars and bogeys. I'm evaluating on, was I like a good person? And did I smile and laugh? Like that's, you know, ever changing, but that's more, when you put it into that and then it just, everything starts to, everything starts to be a lot, you know, brighter outside, not so gloomy. Well, I will say even on uh kind of making me laugh here is on your brightest day, Max, when you won, uh, at, uh, Fortinet, uh, my buddy, Greg, who played with you at my wedding, he, uh, you made one bogey on that day and he made a par on that hole. And he was just like grinning yes. ear to ear. Yeah. He's not a, he's not a great golfer. And he's like, I beat a PGA tour player. And so that on your awesome. day that you won, he texted me. He's like, remember when I beat that guy on a hole? <laughs> that was awesome. So. <laughs> Um, last two notes I had from the, from Shriners were just Rory Sabatini went out in 28 today, final round 64. <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> and, uh, sad news for you, uh, Max, Sam Burns, another top 10 this week, 
Uh, and you're officially bumped from the number one position in the uh, FedEx Cup. So I don't know if you have comment on that. Mm. Uh, sorry to bother you. God, I hate that. Time, I'm sorry, but... Max. Uh, on to the CJ Cup. <laughs> Solly, I, your Rory coming tweet today was uh, – recognize that that was uh some of your better work i thought thank you so much uh what's an ideal fall schedule for the pga tour in your mind max and you can view this through your own lens or through the tour as a whole lens what what do you think is ideal i have this idea that's a workshop idea uh not super well thought out but i think that if you made the fall like a actual fall series and it had its own little FedEx Cup bonus. Now, obviously, much smaller and different, yes. but it does not count to like 2022's FedEx Cup race. I think that would be something that should be explored, in my opinion. Like a sprint, like a, just a sprint cup almost yes. in, the, in the fall. And if it, 100%. Like because no love, big yeah. guy, no, none of the top guys want to play right now. I promise you. I like, I've talked to them. I think, <laughs> you know, I know a few of them are only going to play one event this fall. Some of them aren't going to play this fall. And it's like, I think it's still good to have tournaments now. People need to play. There, there's getting it's getting harder and harder for the rookies to get out here and get into events. So I think there should still be events, but I just think that that would be a way to kind of help the like grand scheme of the FedEx Cup, like the 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 big one, and then maybe I like you said have a sprint that that makes this equally as or maybe not equally as exciting, but exciting in its own way. Um, but in in events that um, aren't mandating like you know, the Dustin Johnsons of the world to come out and play. I, I do want to thank you for listening to the No Laying Up podcast, Max. I can tell you are a listener, so thank you for supporting I'm a listener, my, bro. my idea I for a sprint, a sprint cup. <laughs> I told Monahan, so I don't know I don't know how far that'll go, but I, I suggested it to him, so we'll see. I did too. At the BMW, I told, I okay. told him that. All right, cool. We're back-to-back weeks. I did it at Northern Trust, so we can <laughs> see how this goes. Uh, Randy, you want to take us around to the LPGA this week? Oh my gosh, I would love to. Guys, I was very excited for um, the Founders Cup presented by Cognizant. Uh, it was this weekend. New new date on the calendar this year. Um, and I think it's going to be a, a one-time shift in the calendar date. They're going back to May next year. Uh, and also a new course this year, Mountain Ridge Country Club in New Jersey. Fabulous top 100 Donald Ross course. And uh, Jin Young Ko just kind of <laughs> did her thing. I mean, to to put it, um, you know, succinctly, I guess she world world class. Um, it was her tenth LPGA victory. Uh, kind of never a doubt. Once once we hit the weekend, she was in complete control. Finished at eighteen under. I heard. There were rumors that some Mountain Ridge members were quite unhappy with their opening round uh, 63. You know, they didn't want to see the course playing that easy. Um, but but just hats off to her. So I have some I have some good Jin Young Co stuff for you guys, if if you'll allow me. Late on us. Okay. Uh, first of all, she's oh, on a mega heater. Okay. Currently ranked number two in the in the Rolex Women's Rankings behind Nelly Corda. Uh, this was her second in four starts, her third win in six starts. Um, she, with her final round, uh, what she shoot today, 68, was her 14th straight round in the 60s, which ties the LPGA record uh, that Annika Sorenstam had that also holds. Max, question for you. Do you know what your longest um, streak is for 
rounds in the 60s on the PGA Tour? I know it's not that many. I'm going to go with like four, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I, I wish I would have looked that up. Uh, <laughs> it's not even close to that. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Jin Young Ko, if you'll remember, back in 2019, she went. She broke uh, Tiger's overall golf record of most consecutive holes without a bogey. His record was 110 straight holes. She went Jeez. 114 straight holes Jeez. without a bogey. Um, she's 26 years old. Like I said, 10th LPGA Tour win. Uh, she has 21 worldwide wins. So this is where it gets good, though. All right. So in her LPGA career, she became a member in 2018. She's played 67. She's had 67 starts. Do we know how many missed cuts she's had? I have the agenda, so I can't answer. I've seen it. Seven? Oh, two. So oh, she's okay. missed two cuts. Cool, <laughs> yeah. cool, cool. Yes, cool. 37 top tens um, in, uh, in 67 starts. So it, it's just, I, I think, honestly, um, you know, Nelly was one of the bigger LPGA stories of this year, and for good reason, breaking through in a major capturing her first major championship. I think some of the rookies that have cut, come along, Patty Tavitankit, Yuka Sasso, it's it's one of those things where I think, myself included, you kind of forget how good Jin Young Ko is. And, and I think this week, weekend and, and whole week was a good example. Like when she's on, it's like she's, I, I think she's the best in the world. Uh, yeah. This doesn't have a weakness. Um but yeah, it's it, it was a fantastic venue. Uh, I know a lot of the players thought it it, it really felt like a, an elevated event, which is cool. Um, the Founders Cup, you know, honors the the thirteen original LPGA founders. Um, a couple more thing, which is really fun. And I hope it goes back to Mountain Ridge. I I, I think that would be an awesome annual venue. Mac, I compared it almost like. You know, I get itty and Riv rolls around each year on the men's side just because of it's just an awesome venue. Um, that's that's kind of felt this week with the with the LPGA Founders Cup being at Mountain Ridge. So to to be determined there. I, I tried to ask around, but I don't think anybody knows for sure where the event uh, will take place next year. Hmm. She she's got that thing where like she's she has no um when you watch her like on Sunday, it's almost it's almost boring because she doesn't do anything wrong. <laughs> so you, there's yes. no like, oh, she might whiff this one over into the right water. <laughs> You're just like, all right, well, we can all go to bed. Like she's gonna win. <laughs> there's no, there's no like Phil Mickelson about her, right? Where it's like, you know, <laughs> just catastrophe always lurking in the shadows. There's somewhere. no catastrophe. No, uh, no. it's very no. routine. We kind of yeah. got a little Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen race at the top here as we go towards the towards the end of the year here on the LPGA. Between, I mean, Lydia Ko is not far behind, but Jin Young Ko and and Nelly now right at the top. She's nipping on her heels. Yeah, and that's I think that's really fun. Uh, not only for this year, so there are three events left on the women's side. Their their season is is the calendar year, um, which makes it a lot. I don't know. In my mind, it just makes it easier. So they go to South Korea in two weeks and then um they have two events in florida um the the last of which is the cme the, the their tour championship so the the top 60 so that's what there's like two horse races going on right now um one is to get inside that top 60 so they get uh, an invite to the tour championship with a 1.1 million dollar first place prize 
And then the other one is being inside the top 100 gets you your LPGA card for next year. And so some interesting names uh, currently outside of that top 100. Uh, people like uh, Ann Van Dam, who, you know, I, I think everybody like she has one of the best swings in, in golf. Yeah. ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's, she's currently one Oh third. Our young hitter, Lauren Coughlin, uh, was 112th. I I'm waiting for the LPGA to update, um, their, their stats page. Cause she finished tied for 25th this week, which was a great result for, her. but she came in 112th and then Sung Hyung Park, Solly 114th. It's just continues to amaze me. Uh, her fall. I mean, this she was like the best player in the world in 2018, and now might not. You know, we'll have to go to um, Q series to get her LPGA card potentially. She wouldn't still have status, like from then she went maybe she major winning status. Yeah. yeah, she she can probably play some of that. So that's a good point. But but just seeing her that far down on, on the points list is just it's shocking. It's I remember watching her on the range at uh, KPMG this year, and just like. I mean, she's got one of the greatest swings in the world and just pounded driver from when we watched her at Kemper Lakes in 2018. And she was taking forever to pull the trigger on driver on the range. Like it was an uncomfortable amount of time standing over it. And I don't I don't pretend to know all of what uh, she has going on there, but that just doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. But no, and that's that's been the whisper, I guess, is is the the driver yips, which yeah. it seems like that's the most debilitating. Max, I hate to ask you a question like that, but is, is that like the worst? <laughs> is that the worst thing you can get? I, I can't really imagine anything worse, honestly. <laughs> if you're gonna get them, I mean, I think uh, somebody said once they're like, you know, uh, Duffner dealt with, you know, he who had a hard time pulling the trigger with a putter, and then um, who else? Somebody else was struggling with the chipping, but like they were still winning golf tournaments, and <laughs> if you can't do the driver you're not even going to be seen uh, on Saturday. Yeah, you just have no chance. Where, like, you can no. scare the ball in the hole. You can, you know, change your grip 100 different times on the putting green. But, yeah, if you, if you can't get the ball in play off the tee, you, you just, you're finished. No, it's just a, it's a, it's a, and it, that, you know, obviously leaks into your head and then you just go down a rabbit hole of bad. Yeah. So it's not, that is definitely the, <laughs> the thing you wish the least upon yourself and everyone else in golf. You don't want to see anybody deal with that. You can't huh. you can't go to the claw off the tee. They, you cannot exactly. go to the claw. Yeah. <laughs> There's no one-handed driver swing. Like you can one-handed chip it, you cannot one-handed rip driver. Max, yeah. we could yeah. do we could do this so many different ways. Um, we could do just true dream, you know, unrealistically, or we could just go with like the most realistic way. But what uh, either way you want to go with that, uh, or maybe something on both ends of what's the most realistic way and most desirable way for male tour pros for some kind of crossover with the women in some part of the game, whether that be, you know, an, a back to back where the, you know, the women are having an event right before or right after the men at the same tournament. You know, I've heard things about interweaving tournaments within, you know, if you have fields of 60 of the top men and women that are both playing their own separate tournament, you could play same purse stuff that they've done ladies European tour and European tour. Uh, one, is there, is there a true appetite for that, you know, for you and for tour pros and what are, what are ways that that could happen? I'd love to. Um, I think that the most realistic way was just it would just be to weave two tournaments together. Like if we played like a you know three ball, just have you know some groups have two of the LPJ Tour players and one PJ Tour player, or two of the PJ Tour players, one LPJ Tour player, and just have like two tournaments going on at one time. I think that would be great. I think 
for me, like dream fun. I just don't know how you could do it with our points and their points would be to like do a team event, uh, like kind of like the Zurich uh, does where, you know, you, I would partner with the LPGA tour player and, you know, we would play some form of best ball uh, through those. Um, I think that would be really fun because that way you can keep the tees separate, like different, but you could have everybody on the same stage. Um, I don't, I do think that it would be cool if like, I, I love LPJ tour golf. Um, I, I just think that it's hard to get the eyeballs on it as, as we've heard. And I think that would be a really cool way to do it. And that's why I just think weaving two events would be the easiest way to do it. It's literally have two different golf tournaments, one big sponsor. Um, and I just think, I, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to do that. Um, I know it's probably a bit complicated, but as far as like the actual golf goes, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to do it. Cause it would just be like, we're playing a normal golf tournament. Um, there's just another person like a, like a, like not even an extra person. There's just uh, someone playing a different tee box, I guess, in the group, if they even wanted to do that. So I think, I think it's very realistic personally, but I mean, they gotta, someone's got to take the initiative, I guess. You need to tell that to Monahan too, then sounds like you got, you got his ear. So <laughs> yeah, super, super, uh, in his ear about these things. Max, you need to go play the, um, the Aussie event which is a combined uh, male and female event. Yeah, it's just one tournament. Randy, if you can make COVID go away, I would love to start traveling and doing cool stuff. I mean, I'm God, I would, I would love, and if, yeah, if Joe don't want to go with you, I'll go caddy for you. We may have lost Max to a, a dead battery of some kind. He has uh, all of a sudden oh, yeah. exited, exited <laughs> the chat, and uh, I don't think that was planned, but uh, maybe we bored him to death on that, but uh phil if I, I called you accidentally by your real name there because i wanted to go talk about the next guy mm. uh looks look our guy's back he, he i don't he know what us, happened he's back. technical <laughs> difficulty they booted me i think monahan kicked me out <laughs> we were talking about it before we started recording uh you're i i just mentioned you know that i went out to the, the champions event this week and that phil won max what, tell me what your reaction was when i said this to you before we even started filming <laughs> i mean it's just it doesn't feel fair like i don't yeah I haven't, i've never I've, i haven't been out there but like he, he hits it so freaking far like and we were talking about playing with him at, at napa it was just like he was talking he's like it's so funny he's like you know there's 290 bunkers that guys are struggling to get to and i'm flying them and it's like yeah this seems ridiculous <laughs> it, it looks like he could win with his c game out there and uh I don't know. I, I'm curious. I would love to see him dedicate full time to it. I know winning the PGA oh my probably chased things for him, but he could legit win like 12 times a year. Yeah, I, honestly, it is. It is. This is. It's crazy that to think that we basically needed the one of the best players to ever live and easily the second best player of our like generation to come in and finally like beat bernhard longer after like 14 <laughs> years of dominance like it doesn't make sense how bernhard's done this for this long but it does seem like phil might be the guy who could kind of come in and assert his will uh on the tour of it are these events are, are there official world golf rankings for for champions tour events that's a i don't Ooh. think there are right i, I don't, don't think, think so. that no i don't think there are okay that'd be so cool if Phil climbed it and won in the world. <laughs> if he was manipulating, like yeah. If he, yeah. <laughs> I know. I wanted him to start manipulating. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Phil had never been the world number one somehow, which makes no sense. Yet he got it when he was 55 because he won 42 out of 45 <laughs> Champions Tour events. 
<laughs> I mean, it's a joke looking at their uh, the, the Schwab season-long standings. Like he's Mickelson's 35th in the season-long standings. He's played three events. Uh, Kurt Triplett, who is who's in 36, has played 31 events. And, <laughs> well, and that's, that's before this one. So he's, this was his fourth, and he's won three. So I don't know what this puts him at. Uh, oh, this hadn't even been updated yet. Yeah, maybe oh, not. No, gosh. that might be. No, that might. I thought his third victory was last year. You're I right. Thought. You're right. You're right. Okay. You're right. It's only his, his third so start of his career year. Uh, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I, I I just wonder what he gets out of it, right? I know it was kind of it's you know he's playing. This is Jim Furyk was hosting the event uh, here in Jacksonville at Timaquana the and it's called the Furyk and Friends, and I know it was at least in some way a favor to Jim to to come play in it, but uh, yeah, he just. I followed him around for the practice round on Wednesday and I was telling everyone I could get like lay, you know, that would listen to me. Like Phil's not going to win guys. He's not, he's in the trees. He's trying to hit driver <laughs> everywhere. It's not going to work out here. He doesn't know how to play the course. And uh, I will not be doing any champions tour wagering from here on out. So <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible to go to a tournament, watch somebody hit balls or watch the practice round. And, and every time I say, Oh, that guy's struggling. It's almost like clockwork. He will be around the lead after the first round. <laughs> Max, I'm telling you, I watched Matt Gogol hit not carry a bunker with driver that was 236 yard carry and hit it into the water on a the opposite hole on a par three in the practice round. And I think he finished in the top five. Like it, it was, I remember walking in being like, oh my God, I got, is there a way I could bet Gogol in a mat? He finished T7. I was like, can I bet Gogol in a matchup against someone? And I would have lost, I would have lost my shirt. Good thing you did. Good thing you couldn't. Solly, how did, how did the course look? And, and, like how I love what's it place. like yeah what's it like watching Mickelson specifically like uh, obviously a, uh, a current major winner like <laughs> it, it like on a course that you know that intimately right like yeah it, it's it, wild it's just a different game yeah it's just wild I mean it's just so funny to walk around and like oh my god Monty is in 15 fairway right now just like slinging yeah. three woods into the green and Darren Clark's over there putting and that Bernard Longer is dressed up, you know, as a maintenance worker trying to prank people around the around there. And like uh it was funny to like I was trying super hard not to not to be like way overreaching guy about a like, guy's out there trying to learn the course and Phil gets up there on five. Or they, they flip the nines. He gets up there on five in the practice round and hits a two wood. And like it's like a 370 par four that all the pros that play out there hit driver every time. And, uh, and so I'm talking to Tim as caddy. I was like, and the he hits another, he didn't like the two, it hits a driver. And I was like, yeah, dude, it's driver all day. Play it down the left. You you'll have it like a 40 yard pitch into the screen. And I look up and I hear about, I get on the grounds today and I run to somebody like, did you hear what Phil did on five? I'm like, what? He goes, oh, he hit driver down the left and hit it OB and lost it. I was like, oh, damn it. The only <laughs> <I> boy, Solly. <laughs> the You're only like handicapped the rest of the caddy. field. Um, Solly, uh, question for you because we always, you know, it's an impossible game to play, uh, like just straight up conjecture. But if you, it, if you played the tournament at Timaquana, one of your home golf courses, and the length you hit it, like, could you, like, from watching, I, I've never, I haven't been to a, a Champions Tour event since I was in high school, I think. Could do you think you could like, like, how, where are you finishing? Do you think? So I played. You hit it significantly a, past most of the some of the guys, most of the guys, I guess. Right, but I played in a in a mid-am event out there in in April, and I can definitively say it was set up harder for the mid-am event than uh, okay, and than it was for this past week, just because it was firm and, and the spring is firm, and and this was kind of soft. And I shot, 
14 over or something like that in, okay. in the three days. I mean, it was playing really hard. Um, and I think, so that would have put me last place in this event. And, I, and um, I, I mean, I've, I don't know, I've had good days out there where I break par pretty easily and I, and I shoot 80 out there pretty frequently as well. So it's, I just find it tremendous. These guys still have it, man. Oh my God. Just dude. like a work but ethic. The, like I just don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering a lot of that too. Some of these dudes that have like just printed money for so long are making How like do thousands. How you still do that? Can you see yourself doing that into your fifties? I mean, I'm sure, but like, it just, it's hard to, like, it's hard to really imagine it, you know, like it's just, it's a, it's truly amazing that these guys, cause where I, where I practice, uh, you know, at home at TBC Scottsdale, there's a lot of guys who, you know, Kirk Triplett practices out there. He's out there every day. And I just always think to myself, like, man, like that's very impressive. And he's still yeah. really good. I mean, I watch him in balls. Like it's still really, really cool to like, see him still be able to strike it. And he goes in the you know, greenside bunkers and puts himself in all these funky lies and hits these really cool shots. And you're just like, I mean, I know there's obviously all of them have loads and loads of talent, but you still need to work to keep it there. And I just, I guess I could see myself doing it, but God, I mean, Lacey, I was talking about playing the chip. Yeah. She did. Lacey just said, you'll be doing it. You're gonna keep playing. We're going to keep traveling around. And working. So You're uh, eligible now. Three wins, right? Yeah. Oh, is that how it, what it is? I'm eligible. I'm hell yeah. I'm pretty sure Place you're the eligible dream, now. The so. dream continues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same. Same with what we'll say about a lot of LPGA events in terms of access and what you can see. It. This is the first tournament of a Champions Tour event that I've been to, like actual tournament play. Man, you can kind of see whatever you want. I mean, even if even following Phil around, you could see what you want. And it's if you got one coming near you, it is worth your time. Like the dudes are just happy to be there. And, uh, I, I found it extremely worthwhile. So. Yeah, it's cool, man. And obviously like you're seeing like the, like you just said, like Monty's in a fairway. Like you're just like yeah. cruising by him. Like it's so cool. Here so comes different. John Daly. Here comes Fred couples. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a unique sport. It's the only sport where you can really do that stuff and actually be competitive. But last yeah. thing I had news for the week, Bryson and Brooks set for the match uh mm. match five i think it is day after day after thanksgiving max what are, what, what are your feelings on this you know it'll be uh we'll see i guess what it'll be i thought you know it's very hard to keep up with i thought they <laughs> come on max I mean, don't hold back tell us what you think I, can you ask answer me this question why is it 12 holes uh think... tv window i believe yeah, TV okay, window so up against some football that day. Um, I think okay. the last one was like it went on way too long. Granted, that was a four ball, um, but oh god, that one was long. It doesn't need to be eighteen. It really doesn't. Like I'm twelve honestly makes a lot of sense. Um, I feel like I, I just kind of feel like this thing was very real in the beginning, and I, I ever since the brands got involved. It kind of lost a lot of its luster to me in terms of I now I just don't know if I'm watching dudes that really do hate each other or uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the actual way to settle this thing being, you know, this this break is brought to you by Taco Bell and Capital One and all this stuff. And it's I'll um, be really curious to see how they do it, because I do think that having Phil in it as kind of like, you know, Everyone kind of makes fun of him. he like you know talks and you know he throws out I call him you know I, I call him like a volume shooter with jokes like he's just chucking them up uh, and you know a couple of them land and they're very very funny um, but he he has always been the best part of them as far as like he's the driving force for like the entertainment with the mics 
And like Brooks and Bryson, from what I understand, don't talk like a ton on the golf course. And I don't think they're going to be talking to each other a whole lot. So like, I wonder what they're going to do production wise to keep the thing, <laughs> to keep it moving. Cause I mean, like that's what these things were kind of built on is you get the intimacy of like hearing them talk. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I, like Mickelson, the last match, I thought Mickelson did a great job of just bringing interesting stuff out of Bryson, uh, especially just like around his process and uh, just having Bryson talk through it was like, oh my God, like hearing what he goes through, like reading the <laughs> yeah, green, it's crazy. right? Uh, but yeah, you, you do need Mickelson out there being like the PT Barnum probably. Um, well, Phil is doing commentary. Do you guys know? It, oh, is Barkley? Perfect. perfect. If Barkley's in also, then I'm watching. Yeah. I think it's Ernie Barkley and Phil, I think in some oh, then combination. That's all you need. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Then. That, that makes a lot of sense. Then, then, then it does all the work because Barkley and yeah. Phil being there, that would, that would make it great. I still plan to watch. Yeah. Go ahead, Phil. I, I, I two things. One, I think. Um, I know. Yeah, that's the second time. Yeah, he's going <laughs> real talking government. about Phil. Like, it, um, it's just kind of it. <laughs> no, it's nice. Uh, I I thought they stumbled onto the 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 recipe was like one player and one celebrity or athlete. Like, I thought that was probably the best format. Uh, I hope they get back to that. And I think at some point too, they need to. Speaking of LPGA again, like it'd be fun yeah. to incorporate. Um, you know, at least one or two LPGA players at, at some point. Yeah, that uh, seemed like a no-brainer this time because Brooks or Mel, Mel Reed had mentioned how she's, you know, gotten quite close with Brooks. I thought that would be an easy, like, partnership. And then Bryson with somebody. Like, I think that would have been cool. Randy, who – and, and Solly, who would your guys, like, dream uh, celebrity to, like, like they did Phil and uh, – or uh, Peyton and Tom? Who would be your two kind of dream ones they haven't used yet? Uh, I think Chuck and Michael Jordan playing. Oh god, that'd be so good. We're on opposite teams, right? Like, you know, match them up oh, with man. Mickelson and whoever, or like Spieth and JT with with MJ and Barkley. I, I think would just be, oh, that is so good. It would yeah, just be Michael and, and Barkley going back and forth at each other. <laughs> I don't have a better answer than that. Yeah, I, nope, it, that's it definitely, the best answer. And I think they 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 kind of like are they like you said they're onto something with kind of making a hit and giggle of some kind and it's weird that this is like now like somebody getting slapped and i'm challenging you to a duel kind of thing like you know it, it, it's not gonna solve <laughs> like an anything right duel. yeah yeah, yeah. It, it the tiger phil thing kind of felt more like you know a serious match uh for a lot i don't know this just feel maybe maybe there's more details that we we don't know yet but i'll watch for sure they, they i'm burned still gonna goodwill. watch the thing it's still good yeah. i mean it's still good oh, <laughs> we yeah, we'll make fun of it. It's, yeah, it's still gonna be great this is where they should have stupid stakes like you know, loser has to, I don't know, wash the winner's feet or, you know, something where yes. it's like, yes. it would immediately yes. transform or to like, like USA oh, in their head. Yeah. Yes. Where it'd be like, oh shit, you know, they don't want to lose. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all good. They should have played this for the Brooksy thing. <laughs> like, if, you, if Bryson wins, it's banned. If it's not, you can keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Nothing makes you play bad golf more than just it's it's not the opportunity to win something that makes you nervous. It's like just the fact that you could lose something is the thing <laughs> yes, that makes you exactly. freaking panic on the yes. golf course. Yeah, uh, exactly. Max, we're gonna we're gonna get you out of here, but can I ask you a few questions that some Twitter folks wrote in before we yeah, uh, of before we go? Um, Mr. Goodly Cooks says, Will will you be on the new Drive to Survive version of the PGA tour show that's been announced? I don't know the rules, but 
with that said, possibly. Oh, <laughs> it's very much the the rock answer, but I can't say. But but yes, but, yeah. <laughs> but if if you can read in between the lines at all, I, I think you I've know. spoken. I've spoken to a couple people. So sweet. You might get edited out though. You know, we should we yeah. shouldn't count those chickens before they before they. Georgie have. Russell got edited out of season three. That's that's tough. But really, uh, yeah, yeah. So damn, that's cold. Luke Peacock, if Max were 50, would you rather make the cut on the number on the big tour or be in the final group on Sunday on the Champions Tour? No guarantee of a result in either scenario, but which scenario would you opt for? Oh, final group on Champions yeah, Tour. That'd be, sure. so cool. sure. <laughs> that would be so cool. That would be so cool. P.S. Cruels says, what is the break-even annual on-course earnings amount? Is it $150,000? And, and I'll add on to that because Bryson had some comments on a podcast this week. He said, like, number 165 on the money list is breaking even, which I cannot imagine that that's right because that's, like, half a million dollars. I don't know where he's well, getting that. Yeah, if you're if you're living – yeah, yeah. if you're traveling the way he's traveling, that's probably <laughs> – yes, that's yeah. closer. But for someone who is actually making that money, they're not taking a jet <laughs> across the country uh, to the tournament. So, I don't know. Break even would be – I want to say when I was – Early on, I was probably spending on hotel and travel. Probably it's shy of a hundred grand, maybe around a hundred. I think it was like we would budget out to like seventy-five to a hundred for all the travel and all that for the year. I, I don't even think we got to it, but that would be a more break. <laughs> not not half a million. No, no shot. <laughs> Do you track everything? You have to track everything closely for tax purposes. Um, I don't. I we have a. A, uh, like business credit card that um, so we can keep it all in like one uh, like one piece of uh, paperwork so that helps before we had to go back and like look through it all and that was a nightmare actually I didn't do it L- Lacey just laughed she did it <laughs> I'm not gonna ask any more follow-ups because I don't want you to indict yourself I was like yeah let's incriminate Max here on some <laughs> tax loophole <laughs> uh, Wesley Wayman wants to know your best Joel Damon story are there any good ones? I mean, he's so like not a great guy. <laughs> uh, my best Joel Damon story. Well, one of my favorites is I went over to, he lives like really close to me and we went over to their house one night and we're like having dinner and drinking or whatever. And the, uh, his wife and, and Lacey are like inside, um, you know, just talking. And Joel was like, Hey, do you want to go out and play uh, darts in the backyard? I'm like, sure. I was like, I'm not great at darts. He's like, Oh, I'm actually pretty, I'm really good at darts. Um, he's like, well, we'll do a deal. Um, loser uh, of darts has to shotgun uh, a white claw and he's like we'll also do um, uh, you know play bags cornhole and uh, do one other thing and every station we got to he kept telling me how good he was at it and he would like spot me something or this and that and he like felt bad and I'm not good at any of them so I'm not saying that I was good he just was not good that night at any of them and he lost all three of them and i was bringing up like oh joel oh you're really good at darts i mean he was out as for him like he's not a braggadocious guy at all so when he was just like outwardly saying oh, i'm really good at this i was like oh my god this guy's gonna be like the best darts player you've ever seen and he he lost to me and i stink at all three of those things so uh that, that was great but pretty much every joel story is amazing he's a he really is just like the most interesting, fun dude out here. He's like the most like they talk about someone like being a common man. That is the true common man. He would he would he would do he would get a beer with anybody in the world if you would just sit there and just be like a normal cool guy with him. He's he's awesome. It's Love like that. the modern triathlon you guys had going there. 
It was a real, it was the least amount of uh, sweating for a triathlon of all time. <laughs> the hardest part was the shotgunning. <laughs> Randy, you got anything else? Uh, uh, anything else? uh, yeah, are your Dodgers in trouble, Maxwell? Are we feeling good? Did you watch the game I, last night? Well, I gotta say, yeah, taking split, splitting in San Francisco, it's gotta have you feeling good, huh? You know, they say the series doesn't start till you lose a game at home, so I guess the series has begun. Oh, man. I got to tell you, I'm rooting for the Giants. Oh, okay. really? Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was a cool segue. Um, no, I, am I nervous? Yeah, just because, like, dude, the, the it's such a weird – it was crazy to me, first off, that the Giants and Dodgers have never played a series in the playoffs against each other, which doesn't seem possible. And second off, just, like, the Giants were projected in Vegas to win, like, 75 games, I think, this year, and they won 106, 107. So they just have that magic thing. It's an odd-numbered year, which is the only years that they win all these World Series. And they just seem to, like, have the juice. But, I mean, the Dodgers are stacked. They've spent a gazillion dollars to make sure that their team is good. I thought the Giants only win the even years. Is that right? No, it's odd. It was, like, 11, 13, 15. No, no, no. It was even. No, it's it was even. even. Come on, dog. It was yeah, even? I've had yeah, this yeah. wrong the whole Don't time. I'm back. I'm not nervous <laughs> at all anymore, Randy. I'm not nervous at all. I'm back. Yeah, because I know 2012 was a sore spot for Solid. Oh, it was 12, 14, uh, 16? Or, yeah, the Reds had him 2 0 in the going, oh, that's going cool. home to Great American. Buster Posey Grand Slam. I remember that way yeah, too. Yeah, I long. hate that guy. He's so good. I know. The Giants, that's what worries me. They, they just have some of that, that voodoo witchcraft about them. They really do. They got some, they got a horseshoe somewhere. I'm rooting for the Dodgers, Max, because my playoff rooting is only against, like, it's only for team, like, I would just root against the teams I hate, um, just because I want my friends' teams to lose. But you're not in that category. I would root for you because I don't, I don't, I don't hate your your fandom. Boom. Boom. There you go. Thank you. So, I needed that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, all the all the older Reds fans are just cringing right now. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I'm setting up. But for they're, a, they're not World my rivals. Series. They're White not. Saw, or, uh, I need a series against uh, DJ's newly found White Sox fandom. Yeah, well, they they might. We're recording Sunday night. It might be. <laughs> yeah, it, it might, might be not be for them by the end of the night. <laughs> All right, I got to hurry up and edit this and get this out so that comment's re- relevant for at least a little bit. But Max, thanks for coming on tonight, man. It's been it's actually been a little while since we had you on, and congrats again on. All the success, and uh, thanks for helping us recap the week. And uh, hope we see you soon. I don't know when it'll be, but hope to see you soon. Hey, guys, thank you so much. It was also nice we Skype this so I could see your guys' faces. I haven't seen you guys in forever, so this is nice. If you win this week, go into the casino and, and put it all on red for, uh, for, <laughs> for Neil and myself. Strap boys. All right, you got it. You got it, Randy. I will put it all on red for you. <laughs> all right. If I win right. and you don't hear from me, <laughs> I'm in Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you back here next week. Cheers. Right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.